Oh, how goes? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. How's the bachelor life this week? Uh, not too bad. Just been mostly chilling. Sense of time is completely gone. <laughs> is that the pandemic or the bachelor week? I mean, could be a little bit of both. Without somebody around who follows like a strict schedule, I'm just kind of left to my own devices, and those those are pretty shitty devices. <laughs> this is supposed to be really, really specific. It's like you need to get one more recommendation from NIC five or higher, or you need to uh, work on a project that has these specific qualities. And here's a few that are out there. I'm your only front end lead in the whole company. Yes, a project with these specific properties. God. Yeah. God, no, I I got a bunch of questions and they're apparently ruthless. So I get these questions and they're they're very devil's advocate-y. So it's stuff like, what did you do besides UI stuff? What the fuck do you mean? What did I do besides UI stuff? Like that's not enough. Wait, wait, I got this, I got this. All the UI stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Dune, so like, Dune that's comes all out I got. tomorrow. Dune. Did you guys Dune? Read Dune? Oh, I, I I've watched all the film adaptations of Dune. Yeah. There have been two. Now there, as of tomorrow, there are three. Maybe two and a half. Oh, that's ooh, ooh. There's a burn. There's a burn. No, it's not a burn. It's a fact. It's also a burn. I, don't, I know nothing about it, so I'll, I'll, but I'll probably watch it. I'm trying to think how how we can turn Dune into a, a conversation topic. Like, does anything live up to the hype? We can just uh, talk about Dune. Which, which cliffhanger and then have sucks? A topic to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about fucking Dune. Like we could do Dune, the Metroid thing, and whatever. What do Dune and Metroid have in common? Spice. Sand. Is it spice? <laughs> sand. I mean, you could use sand as a spice. Not advising yeah. that, but wait, wait, wait. which what spice? Is salt, if not delicious sand. Which spice? Ah. Sweet, sweet spice. What, what, what are? I don't know the Spice Girls' names. Scary spice. Scary spice. A scary baby. Sporty. <laughs> that. Wow, you're good at this game. Time's up. Start the game already. Let's do this. I'm not ready! Welcome, dear listener, to the QQ Cast. Today is Thursday, October 21st, 2021. We're your hosts, Sandapod, Zach Mayer, and Raul Torres. Say hi, gentlemen. Hi, hi gentlemen. Correct. And this, dear listener, is Quest 145. What do Dune and Metroid have in common? The answer is well, nothing. We're actually going to do that. Yeah, we just <laughs> want to talk about both of them. That's it. All right, gentlemen, Dune, the theatrical adaptation by, how do, how do you pronounce, I feel so bad, I can never mount his, pronounce his name, Dennis, Dela, not Delanueves, what, ah, uh, anyone, Bueller? I, I still have no idea what you're talking about. I, the I director about... of fucking Dune, he's awesome, he's really good. Uh, Dennis Villanueva? There you go. Uh, his theatrical adaptation of Dune comes out tomorrow. That was I, when was it originally supposed no, to it, come out? It's, well, I mean, it's out already. Oh, today. is it out today? It, well, it's the in theaters type thing. Oh, well, some limited. Yeah, it, it's coming to like full theaters tomorrow. Like I think, uh, yeah. I actually, I think my boss went and got to go to a early screening of it like a week ago, and like it's the fun. director was there doing Q and A afterwards in San Francisco. So, oh, that's always fun. I yeah, would have loved those. Yeah. Yep. Uh, um. 
but yeah, it's finally coming out. It, it was supposed to come out. Was it was it only delayed from earlier this year? I don't think it was supposed to come out last year. I think it was supposed to come out this year, just delayed from earlier in the year because mm. you know COVID. If I'm not mistaken. Quick to Wikipedia. Mm. How this podcast <laughs> researches in real time. On the fly. Original release date 1984, which is not it's not doing what I thought it would Close do. Close enough. Well, we will talk um, about the 1984 David Lynch adaptation of Dune. Oh God, we will talk about it. Patrick Stewart with a pug, Sting in a in a underwear. I don't know what else. The tidy whiteies. Ah, good movie. Good movie. Let's see. Um, da, 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 da. Filming took place from March to July 2019. Oh my God, they were filming before the pandemic. It didn't premiere until uh, September at some film festivals, so that's correct. But when was it originally due to come out? It must have been delayed. Well, let's see. Game of Thrones language creator David Peterson was confirmed to be developing languages for the film in April 2019. Yeah, it was filmed in 2019, so it's definitely March delayed. 2018, Vienna stated that his goal was to adapt it to a two-part film series. Yep. So this is part one, but as really pointed out, the marketing is hiding that fact to the best of its ability. Oh, yeah, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it's been any on like any of the what's it called posters or anything like that. So yeah, yeah. Well, maybe they'll call the second movie something like I don't know, Revenge of the Sandworm. Dooner. Dooner. <laughs> Dooner. I don't know. Dooner. Do 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 harder. <laughs> Well, it's, it's uh, been very difficult for them to adapt Dune, right? Like, uh, they made the David Lynch movie where they did try to compress it into one movie, and that was pretty rough. And then they did the sci-fi miniseries of Dune back in the, mm-hmm. is it the late 90s or the early 2000s? Um, and then they combined the next two books, uh, Dune, oh. uh, what is it? Dune, was it Dune Messiah and Children of Dune into just the Children of Dune miniseries? So they, they have had this weird way of like they take one book and make it into a full series and they take two books and make it into one series now they're taking one book making it two movies dune is hard to compress but fuck have people tried it is an incompressible medium um okay here you go dune was originally scheduled to be released on november 20th 2020 but was pushed back to december 18th 2020 okay full year and then the film was delayed due to COVID-19 pandemic this time to October 1st, 2021. Uh, taking over the latest release date slot of The Batman. Um, <laughs> do, 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 do. Which just that trailer drop. Let's see. In June of 2021, Warner Brothers delayed the film's American release date again by three weeks to October 22nd. To avoid competition with No Time to Die, the Bond movie. Donna, Donna. Which none of us have seen. Yeah. yeah. Um, if it was on streaming, I would have seen it. But Let's see. Over a month before the domestic North American release date, the film had a staggered theatrical release schedule in most international markets that do not have HBO Max, beginning on September 15th, including France, Italy, Sweden, and Switzerland. Do other of you guys have HBO Max? Because, man, that does seem to be getting a lot of good content. Yeah, yeah totally. I don't. Oh, but really? You I'm, legitimately pay for things. I'm probably a holdout at this point. It does seem like it's matured, we'll say. You remember the bit when uh, when Netflix was coming out with original series, and the, the bit was that Netflix was trying to become HBO faster than HBO could become Netflix? <laughs> and now they've reached some kind of equilibrium. Like, Netflix original content is 
increasingly hit or miss, and they're finding a lot more success now with uh, random shit. It, well, international stuff. Yeah. So things like um, Squid, Squid Game. Game. And others. Was it, was that it, what the is that? Lupin, Money Heist. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of their top three have been just like totally not U.S. shows. We'll see how Cowboy Bebop does. Yeah. So. Oh, 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 why did you say that? What? So We're now, talking about Dune. Can can we can we totally make a segue off that comment, please? Oh. Did, did you see? Did you see the Lost Sessions uh, thing that they did? I did. The, the the teaser for the show that comes out in like a couple of weeks. Okay. I did. I watched it. I want to talk about it. I, I can wait. I can wait to talk about it after Dune. Let's, okay. Let's okay. We'll have a little. We'll have a little Cowboy Bebop palate cleanser before we get into Metroid. <laughs> Absolutely. Now Netflix is trying to become Crunchyroll faster than Crunchyroll can become Netflix. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so okay. What what is y'all's relationship with Dune? Uh, let Let the spice flow is pretty much all I know about it. The spice, spice must, must flow. flow. Um I am about that familiar plus all the like movie media. Um I have tried to read that book multiple times. God damn is it hard to follow. <laughs> well, like he he has this strategy of just not explaining shit, so he just throws a bunch of nouns at you. And you're supposed to pick up through context over the course of reading the thing what it all means. But it means that once you finally get an idea of what something is, you have to backtrack and superimpose that idea onto what you read previously. Because whatever you thought before was wrong, and now you've misconceived half the novel. Is that like purposeful Easter egg, or is that just bad marketing? <laughs> Honestly, it's... It's a style, and it's not even necessarily a bad style, but I feel like Dune is so dense and such a weird sort of political drama that the importance on who and what everything is is way higher than it would be in, like, a YA fantasy book. So, like, in in other novels that don't have the same kind of emphasis on political structures, you can pick up individual people and get a sense of them fairly quickly throughout the course of your book. And like, if you are introduced to somebody by another character, just like mentioning them with, you know, very little context, then you'll at least have seen that name and that's enough. And that's all you really need. Like, Oh, Hey, now we're, now we're meeting this person and I've heard of them before you get a sense of their importance. With Dune, it's like they talk about the Bene Gesserit super early, but they don't really explain who that is until like halfway through the book. And they're really important. So, yeah. And Man, it's, it's Thinking about the Bene Gesserit and the fact that Lady Jessica is a member of them makes me realize, oh, fuck, they should have just made all of this a Rick and Morty parody. And then, then you could have had, you know, Jessica, right? Like, you know, put your hand <laughs> in the box and stuff. Oh, oh, shit. But, okay, answer oh, this question. a terrible for me. impression. It's, it's like it's in the future, but they're in deserts, and I don't see like, this sci-fi stuff. So, like, I think mm-hmm. that's kind of like one of the weird things that has made me not interested in this. It's just like it's sci-fi, but all like all the memes I hear about it are like sandworms and yeah. spice and so, 
politics that's hard to follow, and that just doesn't seem appealing to me at all. Here's the thing that's never really explicitly talked about in the book, and you really only get through context once you've read the entire thing and think about it for a while. I saw this explained, I don't remember exactly where, but it was it was a pretty good explanation and helped a lot with the conceptualization of the whole world, <laughs> universe. So Dune is set far in the future. And at one point in the distant past relative to Dune's chronology, there was a uh, war between humanity and artificial intelligence that was devastating. After that war, humanity triumphed, but their trust in thinking machines was so vastly reduced that they don't really use computers the way we think of them now. No, that's Battlestar Galactica, you fuck. Well, it's Dune 2. <laughs> See, that, that, that description sounds idea, way better than all the other things. The whole idea with things like the Bene Gesuit and the Spacers Guild is that these are people who are genetically modified to perform really complex, computationally intensive tasks that a computer would be doing, but they don't trust computers. So now you have oh, space you magic. the 1960s? Yeah. Correct. So now you have space magic. Everybody's on shrooms. I mean, spice. And we're just zooming around the galaxy. Anyway, there's, okay. a, there's a bunch of... Uh, like I, I the, see how that could be interesting. See, that, that that's way more interesting than just this, the spice will flow. Must flow, yeah. whatever. Well, the spice is important because it's used by the Spacers Guild to travel interstellar. And there are more than one planet with spice, but Dune is the biggest and the oldest. So, How do they travel oh, through I space realize, if they I, don't I trust thought, computers? This, see, clearly I'm not, you know, I don't know enough of the Dune lore. I thought that Arrakis was the only planet with spice, and that they could never get, they kept trying to take worms off-world, and they would always just die. They would not survive off-world. So they did uh, that for a while, but there is, according to lore, multiple planets now with spice, just not producing it nearly the same volume as Arrakis. Okay. So Arrakis is still super important. It's not going to like stop all interstellar travel, but controlling it is a big deal. There's also all the political stuff. Like there's an emperor of mankind, kind of, sort of, mm -hmm. but he's kind of influenced by the councils that are functionally just giant megacorps like the Spacers Guild and the Bene Gesuit. It's, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot going on. And it's not super clear in the book itself unless you really dig into it and think about it and justify why are these people motivated to do all these things it must be because x y and z it's kind of like a sudoku filling in the blanks but um yeah it's it's wild nice sounds interesting but not time and investment i'm so sorry this sounds cool though okay yeah. so here do you guys know how many books there are in this fucking series? Because I just counted. Five? Ha, <laughs> you're cute. So Frank Herbert himself wrote six books. Now, that doesn't include some short stories and comics and other bullshit. Six books. Dune in 1965, uh, all the way up through uh, his final book in 1985. And then his son, Brian Herbert, uh, with writing partner Kevin J. Anderson, who's awesome. I've written... Uh, written... Uh, <laughs> read some of his books from uh, the Star Wars Extended Universe back in the day. Those two also wrote books. Guess how many books Brian Herbert, Frank Herbert's son, has written about Dune? Twelve. Keep going. Twenty-four. <laughs> Sixteen. 
16 fucking books um for starting in 1999 and going till oh i guess one of them isn't published yet one of them is in uh 20 is scheduled for publication in 2022 so they're still fucking going jesus so yeah yeah a little bit of lore there uh basically all by by one guy and his son well that's super fun i mean there's a lot to appreciate about dune even if the material itself is dense and incomprehensible like the inspiration for a lot of things in the 40k universe comes directly from dune in one form or another the entire faction of like the emperor mankind and chaos just is dune inspired directly um as an example and it's been a thing in the cultural zeitgeist for the last well what's 1965 from now 60 years uh that's just 56 years yeah round up so yeah it's it's no small thing um just out of curiosity so it's it's 56 years now right when what's the gap between the lord of the rings books and the good movies <laughs> you don't think the Ralph Bakshi movie was awesome? Come on. His budget, that really was fucking fan, amazing. I'm a big fan of the, the 70s um, uh, animated version. That's what I'm referring to. Yeah, absolutely. Zach, you just got way louder. Was that just me? or? Um, I think it was just you. Oh, wow. I think I think I just jiggled my, my headphones in or something. My God. Jiggle, jiggle. <laughs> Let's see. Lord of the Rings was published, uh, says 1954. Yeah, so 1954 compared to 1965, and then Lord of the Rings, the movies, came out in 2001. Okay, so like 20 years ago. Okay, so 50 ish years it was i guess 50 52 years for lord of the rings and 56 years for dune <laughs> if these movies turn out to be good it takes about it, it takes 50 to 55 years to get a good movie out of a out of a book franchise sounds good yeah i'm into that we've got two data points prove me wrong what about the marvel comics when did those come out shut up those weren't books those were graphic novels. <laughs> comics are books. It's in the name. Comic book. <laughs> no, those are not comic books. Those are graphic novels. It's a distinction without a difference. <laughs> one's for adults, one's for kids. I have, I have nothing to contribute to the Dune conversation, so I'm going to totally contribute something from another sci-fi thing. Oh um, my god. Say about Dune, other than let the spice flow, which is wrong. <laughs> um... So one of the things you mentioned that sounded interesting about the book was just like there was this like battle against AI and then the humans eventually won. Mm -hmm. So earlier this year, I read a book that was I will did the audible thing. It's still reading um, Day Zero, which is a prequel to this other book, Sea of Rust. I I totally recommend it. It's basically um, the world has robots. The robots have AI. Um, they do the whole three rules BS or whatever. But then, so for some reason, they're they're switched that uh, has those rules just gets turned off, and then the robots win. Um, 
that's not a spoiler or anything, just because the, the first book that comes out is just, like, a story about, like, one of these robots just basically trying to survive in the new robot world, and it's just drawing parallels with, like, all the humans and stuff. It's really, really good. So, I'm, I, that's that's my suggestion. If you don't want to read Dune, you should totally read that instead. Well, so, while, while we're going down that tangent, um, I need to get back into audiobooks, because uh, Audible has the Sandman series, which is supposed to be pretty good. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. And come to find out, I think it was all in the past couple of years, they did a couple of alien books where they uh, even got one where they got um, Michael Bean and Lance Hendrickson to reprise their roles as Hicks and Bishop, respectively, in narrate an audiobook that's basically a sequel to Aliens. So, like, man, I, there's apparently some really good original content on Audible I need to go get my hands on. Yeah, that does sound fun. Not even got close a bunch to of, like, related. Wolverine stuff, too. Oh, yeah? yeah. Hey, really brought up audiobooks were tangenting. <laughs> yeah, not no. Well, not even close to related, but uh, I just got through all of the Bobaverse books. Have you guys seen these? Uh, uh, I know the game Baba is. is you. No. Well, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> you, you guys familiar with the concept of a von Neumann probe? No. Enlighten no. us. So imagine that you had a probe that could self-replicate and you send it out into interstellar space, however long it takes to get somewhere. It lands on a planet. It uses the resources on that planet to make more of itself and then spreads out to other planets from there and keeps okay. going on this geometric progression until it's explored the whole galaxy. Right? Okay. So uh, the Bobaverse books, I can't... I think the first one is... Um, we are Legion, we, we are Bob. We are Legion, we are Bob. Uh, this dude gets run over by a truck in Las Vegas and has his head frozen cryogenically. You know, one of those kind of scams. This sounds like a Futurama skit, dude. A little bit. It absolutely is uh, a little bit of a Futurama skit. Uh, but they, they scan his brain, they put him into a probe that has 3D printers on it that can work at atom scale kind of hand wave over that and then the books are just just out of curiosity what he was really bad at dodging trucks but he was really good at (laughs) self-replicating robots yeah okay i mean i I can go with it just yeah no he just he, he turns into a von neumann probe and that's what the books talk about it's his perspective actually it's a bunch of his perspectives um because he's 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 basically cloning himself and exploring the galaxy and it's hilarious uh honestly it's 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 very fun uh as something to listen to it's entertaining nice nice has nothing to do with dune except that there's space (laughs) and planets is is there is i see going to book three is that is it three book series or uh there's i think four books out right now and he's got plans for like another two or three the most recent one was released this year, I think. Yeah. That was fun. So is, is it more comedy-based, I guess? Like, from the name, it seems like it's lots of comedy. There's definitely some comedy. Um, it's not really, no, but uh, it's it's got enough humor that it's, it's entertaining that way, uh, but I don't think that it's necessarily built as a comedy. It just has a really weird sort of initial premise this dude yeah. named bob is put into a probe that can self-replicate where do you go from there to the stars it, apparently yeah it doesn't hurt that bob is a software engineer <laughs> or yeah it's it's fun but um uh, yeah oh also a star trek nerd 
Okay. Now I'm seeing the appeal. So it has a lot of the kind of like Ready Player One references because he's, well, like us. Um, so like he, he goes out and he names planets. Uh, I think one of the first two that he named were Vulcan and Romulus. Love this guy. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's 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 entertaining. I'm, I'm more sold on this than on Dune. Because <laughs> I'm like, maybe I should pick up the Dune audiobook. No. Yeah, no, just watch the movie. Just watch the movie. All right, do we have anything else to say about Dune? Because like, I, I could talk a little bit about the made-for-TV sci-fi shows, but... Eh. Eh. Or the David Lynch eh. movie. Eh. I'm, I'm only briefly aware that they exist. After that, it's... Eh, it is. All right, before we segue into Metroid, not that I know what the fuck we're going to talk about Metroid either, uh, Ruli, I think you wanted to digress into a little Netflix series called Blank. The, the Cowboy Bebops? That's the one. So I've I've been trying to, like, not get excited about it. Um, they did the... Okay, I guess the first thing they did was the trailer, which is basically... Um, straight up copy and paste of the opening title sequence um you know it, it definitely has that remix culture vibe where it's like a lot of the same things a lot of the same motifs um but yeah it, it's still copying something that we that already existed so it was really hard to figure out like get an idea of the style of what they're going for mm-hmm. uh but then i want to say a day or two ago they dropped this i think it was maybe like two to five minute uh short film short movie whatever uh, called the Lost Session, yeah, and it's basically it basically fo- follows the same template of most of the episodes. There's a bounty that they're gonna go get, and they're gonna go get the bounty, and shenanigans ensue, and maybe they catch the bounty, maybe they don't. Who knows? Um, I was not expecting anything that I saw in that thing at all. I'm I, like, so I don't want to spoil it for Zach. It's pretty short. Have you uh, seen it at all, Zach? And are you interested? <laughs> I'm very interested, and I haven't seen it. It's it's super short. We we might as well just do a, a watch. I mean, if if two listeners sat through like twenty minutes of commercials, I think they can sit through a five minute short Cowboy Bebop thing. I'm in. Plus, it, it'd be fun to watch it again. Post a link. I can find it. Link me, link me, link me. It's a stunning two minutes and forty seconds, which is really not that long. There you go. All right, ready when you guys are. All right. All right, three, two, one, click. Let's jam. They are trying real hard with the style, as you'll see. They are, and um, hey, I'm here for it. I really am. Worth the trouble? You want to keep the lights on around here? Sophia, immediately from like the first 30 seconds, like you're already getting this like Scott Pilgrim vibe from it, and that's a really good analogy. You've got got the action side of things, that's pretty cool. I'm here for it. (laughs) I'm actually really liking the guy who's playing Jet. We're on a job. Seriously. Noodles first. Noodles always first, please. Oh god, deep dramatic past time. I know, I know. <laughs> of Overly course dramatic. Of course we have to do that. 
And of course, they're playing is it Green Bird? I think the name of the song. Yeah, they, they've got all the songs. I think that's what has my interest the most. All the songs. Hey, I was gonna eat that. Yeah, I was gonna eat that line is very Bebo. The super duper spike. So their, their silliness with the panels is just like really He's doing fun. it for really. Yeah, it's it's just so I'm silly really and ridiculous. That. Yes. Now, now this scene I'm not sold on because this is kind of getting in the American action where I'm like, there's too many cuts. I'm kind of annoyed, but it, it's uh -huh. still cool. I'm still happy with it. Hey, <laughs> uh. buckets. There's no payout if you shoot him in the face. That was him. Please. I got him with three clean slugs in the leg. I never miss, and I aim for his leg. Never miss? Never. You aim for the face. I did not. You clearly does not have a face. On this, I'm totally sold. He clearly sold. does not have a face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally sold, but also, like, they can't maintain this energy for half an hour. So, it's yeah, it's hard be, to like, say. Ups and downs with, like, this kind of, like, craziness in the middle. Are they going to, is it going to be all out the well, entire time i don't know so, i mean at least i'm super excited i i, I actually want to rewatch the anime because it's awesome and i haven't seen it forever and i have one co-worker who has not seen it either um the thing is if you if i remember the, the series correctly one of the things about the series is that it goes from being fairly low energy standard like you know the characters walking around talking to when it gets into the action scenes it does go all out balls crazy yeah. so they don't have to maintain that energy for, you know, if I don't know how long the episodes are going to be. They say an hour. I don't know if that's 40 minutes, 50 minutes, 60 minutes. But if they can maintain that energy for five minutes during the action sequences, that would be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'll be there for it. So yeah. it, it's still given me like elements of it. Uh, actually, one article I read about it was described as the uncanny valley because it's it's giving me that cosplay type vibes with like, especially with vicious. It's like that just looks like a cosplayer, guys. Um so there's there's some hesitation, but I really do like the characters, uh, the characterization of the characters, I should say, in this trailer. They really did seem to capture, like, I'm really digging Jet. I think that uh, John Chow is doing Spike pretty well. And I'm, I'm liking what we're seeing of Faye. So if they're getting the characters right, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty on board. So, yeah, yeah still still cautiously optimistic. So, uh, so I was trying to think, like, other than maybe, like, the, the Final Fantasy CGI movies, like... I haven't really seen any of like the like the live action anime stuff, but like that real world slash anime aesthetic, I think is hard to pull off without looking like cosplay because that's basically what cosplay is is trying to bring that anime <laughs> aesthetic into real life, right? So it's just like I, I see it as a complaint, but also I don't think I've ever seen anyone pull off look like an anime and make it look good at the same time in the real world. So um, except it, it's hard to take. Well, but that but that didn't look like anime though. Like it 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 was very grounded. Like it had the overtones and like addedness of like you know the the powers, the pooms, like the the text things things happened right. But like Scott Pilgrim himself didn't look like an anime character. His eyes were normal people size, and you know like the like there was nothing really eccentric about it. Like everything was like additional visuals to like normal people stuff. Yeah, fair enough. So. I don't know, like, I, 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 it's growing on me. It's something that I can totally just run with for the fun shenanigans. Fair enough. So, Zach, I heard a lot of laughing. I, I'm taking it you enjoyed it. Um... Very much. <laughs> Very much so. It looks like fun.
It looks like high fidelity Cowboy Bebop, and I'm here for it. Word. So November 19th, I think, is the release date. Yep. And, um, yep. and the anime is already out on Netflix as of today. So Yeah, and if they... Um... And if it's anything like Squid Games, I'm probably going to like two days, which I'm kind of looking forward to and kind of not, because I'm like, oh, I just want it to be longer. So we'll see. <laughs> you got to learn to uh, to savor it. No. Got to like shut it off just one at a time. Sit from the content hose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not what we do here. No. Oh, sp- speaking of Squid Games, did did y'all watch that? Is, that? is there a potential review in the future? I have not watched it. I finished it. <laughs> Yay! And do y'all recommend it? Yeah. I mean, I mean, did did you like Battle Royale Top? I think that's the back in the day, yeah. But I haven't seen it, and I can't tell you how long. It, uh, the, what, what I've told people is like the first episode is really going to set the tone for you from like the violence level, from the story and concepts. Like if you if you like the first episode, you'll like the rest of the sort the the story and everything else. If it doesn't do you for the first episode, just stop. But apparently. Everyone has come past the first episode. I, I think there's been a couple of people that I've, I've seen, like, like their criticism was legit, and, like, they didn't want to go on for it because they're like, whatever, it's just too silly or whatever. But, you know, it's it's been mostly positive. Yeah. So, statistically, you're probably going to like it, Tom. Noted. <laughs> what, do you want to take us into the Metroid chat, then? Uh, yeah, I don't even know what we want to talk about with Metroid. Um. <laughs> What is safe to talk about Metroid? Yeah, I've only, I've, I still have only played my, like, one hour of it. I need to play more of Dread. Uh, how much Dread have you guys played? You've only played, like, one hour? I know. It's embarrassing. How, how, how have I played double what you have? All double. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've only had two hours, but, hey, it's, it's only time that I can squeeze in randomly. So, Zach, have you played any of it? No, I haven't. I have impressions of it but um i and i've seen some gameplay which looks fantastic but platformers in general aren't really my thing so and i would rather just kind of watch from the sidelines which apparently might be just fine because there isn't a difficulty slider and this is the most difficult first party game that nintendo's released seemingly seemingly so yeah you know it's fine I always have a hard time engaging video game difficulty because, like, I I think I just suck video games, so it's always hard to tell, but I don't know. It, it doesn't seem that bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I also suck at games, so uh, no room for me to really complain there. Um, I definitely did die the first time you fight the, uh, how, do you, how do you pronounce the robot? Emmy? Like, the first se- sequence uh, did definitely kill me a few times, but it just basically I've respawns you in the next room. So. Yeah. <laughs> So it wasn't like I wasn't at all frustrated because it just fucking respawns you in the next room and it's like yeah okay that wasn't a big deal. Yeah, but I think also too it's it's, it's just more so like figuring out the mechanics of how to do those things and just kind of getting a feeling for for the the blocking system and stuff like that. So I don't know it, it it's once once you get the rhythm of it it feels pretty easy because like I think I'm on like the second boss and like I kept dying like a million times and then after like I figured everything out I'm like wow this is super easy like kill him in two minutes like cool like <laughs> the rest of the game should be just inch so yeah so uh one of my coworkers and i were talking a little bit about metroid and they were like you know man th- this is supposed to be a very hard metroid game he's like i don't know if i've just gotten older and like you know now this game is hard or i don't want to have to look up on a map you know where to go next he's like that's the whole point of metroidvania and so we were kind of have this discussion about like 
do your tastes change as you get older or does the thing you want to do change like you know when we were kids like oh my god i would spend hours just bombing every single inch of the metroid screen to figure out where to go next and now it's like oh i guess i could use my smartphone in my pocket to conveniently look up the answer um <laughs> I don't know, that's, yeah. that's how i'm playing i don't i don't i I don't have the luxury of getting lost and engulfed in a world. Like, I want to just go in around and shoot things and know which way to go. The The marker system is amazing, because I look at a guide, I'm like, okay, I, I won't go completely easy mode. Like, I'll see where I need to go, and I'll put a marker over there, and if I get there, I get there, but I know at least the general direction to go. And that's that's been pretty good. So it's, it's a mix of the two. Have you been looking at a lot of guides, Tom? Uh, I haven't used a guide at all yet, because I've only played one hour, and so far I've been able to get through it just fine. <laughs> That's but uh, yeah, I, I do definitely think your your gaming tastes change as uh, as you get older. So I don't think I don't think that's a big deal. I'm not at all bothered or upset by that. If you know, I I absolutely positively will whip out a guide at some point to to get me through something. Uh, I mean, it's Metro. I think part of the fun is trying to is trying to solve it on your own. But I will I will hit diminishing returns on that effort real fucking fast. Yeah, and, and I will say like one of the gimmicks gimmicks of the Metroidvania that I I still don't like is just like. I think the way they describe it is just like, Samus, your body has amnesia and it doesn't know how to do things. Like, I just wish they would make it where, like, Samus didn't know how to walk or, like, raise her hands or something. To just, like, rather than be like, <laughs> all your special moves are gone. No, no, just, like, make make it something, like, completely ludicrous. Because, like, I, I hate every single game where just, well, like, you know you can double jump, yeah. but just not. I Okay, we're not doing any spoilers on this podcast. Plus, I've managed to avoid all spoilers. But I absolutely have a theory. I feel like the... Uh, the opening of that game telegraphs a twist, and I can't wait to see if I'm right or not. You have a I... very mild case of severe brain damage. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know enough of the lore. Like, I think that's one of the things that I also find kind of funny. Like, just different different fan bases, they're like, oh yeah, we're so excited to get a sequel. And I'm like, I don't I don't know anything that's going on. Just, just give me aliens to shoot and powers to use, and I'm going to have fun. Yeah, I feel like Dread so far has done a good job of just like, because it, it, it dumps, basically it skips the Prime lore, but does all of the Super Metroid lore with uh, Metroid, Metroid 2, Super Metroid, and Fusion in like five minutes, and it's well, not is, that convoluted. This, I thought this was in between and not after Prime. This is after all the GameCube games? Uh, yes, Prime is a, if I, if I remember this correctly, Prime is in between the original Metroid and Metroid 2, all the, like all the Prime games. The qua- is it a quadrilogy? I forget if it's trilogy or quadrilogy. There's there are sixteen dunes and twenty Metroid. Is that how it goes? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So uh, yeah, I think it skips over that because that story is not relevant to this. But it, it does basically all the two D Metroid lore, and it just kind of uh, uh, exposits that in the first five minutes. But it gets you into the game pretty quick. Um, so I'm not really complaining. Cool. Yeah, I don't know. So far, so good. Uh, excited. Um, and I guess I, th- I think the reason we were talking about that in Dune, aside from the two of the things that are going on right now, is, you know, um, Metroid uh, uh, started in the 80s and then has had droughts throughout the season. Now it's back and Dune started in the 60s. And, you know, in terms of theatrical uh, versions, basically every 20 years we get a new theatrical version. It feels like every 20 years we get a new 2D Metroid. So there's uh, there's some similarities. <laughs> yeah, every everything's a cycle. Time is a flat circle. Zach, have you been playing anything other than Metroid? Uh, honestly, not a ton. I was doing a bit of battling in uh, Smash Brothers recently, but that's really? that's kind of old news. Wow. And uh, 
I picked Valheim back up because they had a big content release. Been thinking of jumping into Baldur's Gate 3, which also got a big content release recently. This is it's kind of weird. Like um there aren't a ton of early access things that I play. Valheim and Baldur's Gate 3 are kind of the two that I keep up with these days. Um because I, I tend to once I put something down not pick it back up again. But with both of those I've been able to kind of sip from that content hose and be satisfied. Uh versus just kind of like getting through it all at once as a complete experience. It's a different way of consuming media than I'm used to, and I'm not super sure that it's going to be something that I continue doing for the long term, but for at least right now, I'm pretty okay with it. I've been real busy with other things, so the sips are nice. Honestly, I can't remember the last time I even did an early access thing. I'm I'm trying to think in, like, I don't ever do early access, now that I think about it. I mean, I'm not saying that I recommend it. R- really? Do you do, any, do you do any early access? Not really, because my uh, PC gaming has kind of fallen off the face of the earth. Hmm. Um, been doing mostly Stadia and Switch stuff. Stadia, oh my god, you and the 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 five other people. Dude, I I I love being able to play Resident Evil on my phone. Like it's it's <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm waiting for the freaking um, Steam box, Steam handheld to come out, and I think that'll that'll get me into more PC games. Nice, for sure. We still haven't set aside any time to go try Back for Blood. I was actually asked about that yeah. if you guys tried it yet. I, I have. I did try it. It's um, oh, it's it's weird, guys. It's Left for Dead, but with way more mechanical systems thrown on top of it. And I can't tell you that it's better, but I also haven't played enough of it yet to give you a full review. I've played like the first, I want to say three hours or two, two or three hours, because you have to basically like unlock the game. Which, for me, feels like a really weird user experience. Like, you basically have to play through the equivalent of a Left 4 Dead campaign. So, like, four or five maps. And then you unlock the game itself. So, during that time... uh, Yeah, no, I'm serious. Like, you you start the tutorial and you play, like, a full, like, set of four or five maps. And then you unlock the rest of the characters. You unlock the base where you launch your missions from and get tutorials about all the cards and all the bullshit. So, you unlock the game after a couple of hours. Is that Which a makes... single player or multiplayer unlocking? You can thing? do either, because uh, it's it's like okay. Left 4 Dead. You either have AI or you don't. Um, so well, playing I with wonder... people, highly fucking recommended. I wonder if that's um, to get past the problem of Left 4 Dead, where it just like there 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 are a certain level of mechanics that you want to learn to not completely like hit a boomer and ruin it for your team, right? For those ad hoc games, Ooh, uh... but but also like. I can't like I never I never wanted to play that game in an ad hoc way with just random people. I'm just like, hey, y'all want to play? Like, I would only play with like the group of people that I knew, yeah. y'all, because like that was more fun. That was the dynamic of it. Um, and I would so definitely I would think, already recommend that for this. Yeah, so it's like I would think that, that maybe they're trying to get away like to like make the ad hoc thing a little bit more, you know, n- not as horrible for everyone else, but that does seem to kind of like punish the the general like just getting on board and starting to shoot zombies in the face like there there are so many things already like like um i think maybe another parallel that would be like some of the call of duty stuff because like 
I, again, probably showing my age, like, there's sometimes when I'll play the Call of Duty zombie things, I'm like, I don't know where to go, I don't know how to spend money to buy guns, I don't even know which guns are good, and then, like, I'll be holding the team down, so I'm like, oh, well, I am literally dead weight as they drag my corpse to the next little portal <laughs> to go into another dimension, and I guess that's a thing. Um, so, it, I, I see it, it's, it's, they're probably trying to strike a balance. Yeah, I, I just... It was so weird for me because, like, when you play the opening part of the game, there's all these mechanics that have not been explained to you yet. So, like, I, there's a shop, and there's weapon upgrades, and there's all these, like, parts, and there's this rarity system. And, yes, the cards themselves are straightforward, but, like, where are these cards coming from? Do they stack per level or round? I don't know what's going on. So it was weird having all of that introduced very quickly because, like, during the tutorial, I just kind of learned to ignore it. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what's going on, but I don't need it. This is easy enough. Yeah. It's just a weird experience. Um, yeah, I don't know what to think of it yet. It's too too early for me to tell, but yeah. There you go. That is my first impression of Back for Blood. Look how productive this podcast has been. We've reviewed, like, semi-reviewed 50 things. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Tell you what I'm looking forward to. Vampire new... Battle Royale. Well, that. <laughs> Which is already in early access. Is in early access, yes. See, look at that. Perfect. But uh, no, weirdly, I'm maybe not weirdly. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I was super disappointed by the last installment of the Battlefield franchise, but this new one looks fantastic, and the people that have been playing in the beta seem to agree with that. So I'm very excited to have a new like Battlefield Battlefield that's not trying to be anything but Battlefield. Is is this the the Water War one or something, or is this? This is kind of like the uh, the climate wars. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's it's 2042, so it's near future contemporary. Um, yeah, that is probably a, an appropriate setting, to be honest. Like things are only a little bit different. Most things are familiar. Uh, so at least the arena that you're playing in makes sense and is comprehensible sort of at a glance. Uh, they've also done some interesting things with game modes. You know, besides the classic capture the point ticket system that every battlefield has had forever, they've got uh they 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 astutely avoided doing a battle royale, but there are games that have done a battle royale like experience for squads and they've kind of taken notes. Mm-hmm. So I it's they've got a mode called Hazard Zone that I'm looking forward to. It's every squad for themselves. There are objectives scattered across the map that you have to reach, recover and then extract with and whether you are the last squad standing or not doesn't really matter. There isn't like a zone that is uh, continually making the play area smaller over time, like in a, a regular battle royale. But there are hazards, environmental hazards, like extreme weather sort of hazards, massive tornadoes. It's windy. It's windy outside. <laughs> <laughs> it's too very windy. windy, chapping my face. But um, you know that that looks like a lot of fun and narrows the the overall scope of the experience down to you're just worried about your squad. Everything else going around you is external to the thing that you care about, which is a lot easier, I think, to grok than the massive battles that Battlefield has has come to be known for. You know, the 64, 120 people versus 120 people. 
uh, which was a problem, especially in the most recent current. I think it's Battlefield Five, which is like a World War One sort of. I, I, there have been so many motif. battlefields. I don't even know what the latest one is anymore. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um... It was it was kind of fun, but in a in a, in a multiplayer game of that scale, it's hard to it's hard to have good coordination with your team. The there was an installment that did it really well, I think, uh, and that was twenty one forty two. They had a really cool commander system, but you can't really justify that in a Battlefield One game or like a, a World War One game. So it it fell flat. Anyway, um, point is the new game looks fantastic. In addition to the Hazard Zone, they've also got, I've forgotten what they called it, but it's like Battlefield Labs, where you can create your own rule sets, um, like restrict it to only medics on the field, uh, special objectives, map size, that kind of thing, what vehicles or equipment are available, uh, all that good stuff, and they will host these for you. So this is taking the LAN experience of setting up custom games from 25 years ago and bringing it into this century. I'm kind of excited to see. Make it battle royale mode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's they. They were battle royale is a pretty popular concept these days. No, no, go figure. So they've been asked about it. Like, do the rule sets that you guys are making available allow? players to create a custom game that is a battle royale and they're like well no there are things that are missing for a true battle royale experience there is no way to shrink the play area over time uh there's no matchmaking that would make that possible um or you know that would support a battle royale game in that way but this is also the first iteration of these tools we're going to release what we have and build on it over time this is going to be the Battlefield as a service sort of sort of thing. Battlefield as a service. <laughs> yeah. And they've got a cool concept for how you find these custom games. Um which I think I think will play okay. It's a uh a follow model. Like you as a person can create custom rule sets for a game and run those games and people who follow you or subscribe to your content seem uh, kind of like uh, the um, the custom content on Steam can play in those matches and join your games and see when you're running games uh, and all that good stuff. So we'll see how it all plays out. There's necessarily a light on details until release, but I think the release is... I think it's December, I want to say. I actually don't remember exactly when it is. Oh. Uh, November 19th. Oh, yeah, I knew that date was significant. November 19th is Battlefield 2042. That's Bebop Day, bro. Bebop and Battlefield. And Bebop. Bebop and Battlefield. Oh, my God. We're replacing (laughs) Netflix and chill. Yes. Hey, guys, you want to Bebop and Battlefield? Oh, yeah. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> anyways i'm very much looking forward to it i've been a fan of the battlefield games for decades now uh so having one that is very much did you guys watch the the trailer for it or did i make you watch the trailer for battlefield 2042 yeah, no, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure we saw it with a lot of the e3 stuff that's always like is this the climate one or the the water wars yeah yeah this is the one where the dude jumps out of his jet rockets a jet behind him and then gets oh, back yeah, into so his cool, jet yeah yeah, the Rindzook. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a really cool video, like a reaction video, 
the dude who pulled that move off, like, and recorded it originally, was yeah. watching the trailer and was just shrieking his head off to the point where the mic yeah. was skitzing out. Nice. Uh, he was very, very, <laughs> very, very pleased with the homage. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Also, Halo Infinite is December 6th. December 8th? December 8th. Oh, that's actually getting released? Yeah, that'll be fun, too. Is that it the looks free-to-play really one? Huh? Is that the free-to-play one, or did they change the model on that? I don't know, actually, if it's free-to-play or not. It might be. If it is, it'd be cool. But if it's not, I'll, I'll throw money at them, because it's been a while since I've had a new Halo game. I vaguely remember one franchise, was it Halo, was going to go free-to-play multiplayer, but the campaign would still be pay. I, I think it might have been Halo. That sounds like a thing that Halo would do in the new Microsoft world. They're also releasing it uh, for Xbox and PC at the same time, which is a nice touch. So, yeah, new Halo. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. I'm very interested in the multiplayer. It looks like a lot of fun. They have grappling hooks. There's grappling <laughs> hooks in 2042 because everybody really, really wants to be Titanfall. All, all the cool kids are doing grappling hooks, guys. Yep. <laughs> well, uh... Gentlemen, I think that was a, a nice smorgasbord of, of random topics for this bizarre off-topic episode of the podcast. Yes. Indeed. All right, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. Hopefully we'll be back next week, maybe maybe with news, maybe with a topic. I don't, I don't fucking know. Maybe with Squid Game. Oh, I'm not going to watch all of it in a week, but maybe I'll watch an episode. I don't know. We'll uh, see. Tom, I... I I've... If you see one episode, I'm I'm I I give it like a seventy five percent chance you're gonna get hooked. All right, all right. We shall see. All right, gentlemen. Uh, thanks again just for shooting the shit. Always a pleasure. Likewise, yes. it's fun. All right. Until next time, dear listener. QQ. Kind of want to make like a until next time, dear listener. Three, two, one. Let's jam joke. But I guess we can save that for the Bebop podcast. That's you know what I noticed about that that uh, trailer that we watched. Mm-hmm. Um, their their lips were speaking English, too. Yeah, this was going to be a dubbed series. No, 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 no. What I was saying uh, in the last episode was they're going to get the original voice cast of the uh, Japanese anime to dub it in Japanese. Oh, but this will be an English series. Weird. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess I'm even more interested for reasons i always like it when the visuals match the audio that's fun yeah it's convenient good times yeah all right well cool gents i don't know thanks for shooting the shit seriously it's fun absolutely anytime Hey, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. Please always remember that all views and opinions expressed on the podcast are representative solely of the person expressing them. Not of their friends and family, not of their co-hosts or co-workers, and certainly not of their employers, past, present, or future. Again, thank you for joining us, and thank you for respecting our individuality. You played two hours to die like this?